Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now it's time to listen to this week's message. Delighted that you would be here and we are confident that this is a place where you can belong and seek to know Jesus and his way and his words. And so delighted to have you here. If I haven't met you, I'm Chad Craig, co-pastor here. And we are in a series here in the month of March titled Missions March. Missions March. Do you know that God didn't just do this, all of this, for no reason? He has an eternal purpose. His eternal purpose includes you. We're looking at that theme this month. We kicked off the series with a message titled Maintaining for Multiplication. Talked about good works and how maintaining good works, as Paul exhorted uh, Titus to make sure the people of God maintain them, would lead to kingdom multiplication or gospel multiplication on the island of Crete. And then last week, Pastor Craig preached a great message on bringing life to our city. Bringing life to our city. Today I want to preach a message titled, Seekers and Keepers. Will you say that with me? Seekers and Keepers. And I'd like to pray. Father, I thank you that Jesus Christ is the name above every name. And I thank you in the authority of that name based on his blood and body that was broken. Lord, that demons and lies and deception and the plans of enemy have been defeated off the lives of those that are here and those that are watching and listening in Jesus' name. And I ask Holy Spirit that you, by your power, would bring people into a posture and a position to receive what you freely purchased and provided for them through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, make much of Jesus. Reveal Jesus. Convict hearts of the reality of his love and his grace and his power, not just to forgive of sin, but to deliver of sin. Lord, we thank you for this. I yield myself to you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. You know, In Luke 15, Jesus tells three parables. In fact, you can follow along if you want, or you can wait. We'll turn there and look at it here in a moment. In fact, uh, if you don't have a sermon card, you can raise your hand, and we'll get it into your hands in this moment. And if you don't know what that is, that means you don't have one, so you can raise your hand, and uh, we'll get you one. But this is to help you uh, go back over what God is saying to us and to you. And what we are looking at today. But in Luke 15, the Dr. Luke records this moment in the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus tells three parables about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Now, Dr. Luke is very clear on telling us what was the motivation behind Jesus telling these three stories. That's what a parable is. Because the religious Pharisees and the religious leaders and the scribes around Jesus were complaining that he welcomed and gave space to sinners and to people that were lost. Jesus was welcoming them. He was providing space for them. And he was eating with them. And the religious were upset. And because of this, Jesus tells these three stories. And his whole point is that we all have things that we value. In fact, everybody here today, you have something that you value. We all have things that we value. And the truth is, is that if what we value was lost, 
If we truly valued it, we would seek it. Jesus says, likewise, God values something. He values lost humanity. He values His creation. And because He values lost humanity and His creation, He is actively engaged in seeking them. God, simply put, He values people. And because He values them, He seeks them. And those of us that are here today who are followers of Jesus Christ and are born again, we also are seekers. In fact, if you're a child of God, why don't you go ahead and say it with me. I am a seeker. Come on, say it with me. I am a seeker. What's interesting though is Jesus uses three lost items to drive home this point of God's priority of reaching every person with the Father's grace and love. Now, sometimes there's a divide between Jesus' day and His culture and our culture. So when you look at these three things, a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son, we could apply it to us who are listening and here today, and we could apply it to you as, number one, seekers of a lost career. It's connected to the sheep. Secondly, seekers of a lost resource or seekers of lost resources. A coin. And thirdly, seekers of lost relationships. It's connected to the sun. What's interesting is that when you look at this story about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one wanders off, one sheep gets lost, it says that the response of the shepherd is that the shepherd would be a seeker. And the specific language, when you read that story, it says, will they not go after the one which is lost? I love that. Go after. Because God is saying today to us that are here today that the Spirit of God wants to get in your heart again to go after some things. That you got to understand this is not like the world around us that has to just accept that what's been lost in their life has to remain lost. Jesus is saying that the people of God got to get within their heart a desire to go after some things that's been lost. And I might not mention anything that's been lost in your life or what's currently lost in your life, but I want to tell you that the God who sees and the God who cares, He knows what's been lost in your life, and He is here today reminding you just through these stories that you got to go after it. you got to go after it. God didn't just accept that His creation had wandered and transgressed and rebelled against Him. He didn't just accept it. From the very beginning, he said, even if it costs me my son, even if my son's got to come and his back's got to be plowed open and his beard plucked out and a crown of thorns upon his hand and he has to be hung between heaven and earth, I am going to seek and go after what I value, you and I and humanity. Go after. Someone say, go after. You say, how is this related, Chad, to a career? How is a sheep being lost and the shepherd going after the sheep related to a career? Because here's why. In the days of Jesus and even the days of Israel of old, even over there today in that context, many places of that part of the world, listen, a shepherd was known to lose his job 
or his role if he couldn't take care of all the sheep. The shepherd taking care of the sheep was his career. And it wasn't just hirelings that would get fired. It was shepherds who could not protect and take care of the sheep. They would lose their role in the family. They would lose their role in being able to take care of the sheep. This is how it relates to our career. Because if the shepherd doesn't take care of the sheep, he loses his role, his career. And from this, we can find out and apply to you and I and to us that are here today that God cares that what is in His plan for you would be found by you. Do you understand that God in His plan, He has a career for you? He doesn't just have a job. He doesn't just have something to keep you busy. He has a career. He's given you talents. He's given you desires. He's given you things that you can in it Use it to bring glory to Him. I'll speak about that more in a minute. And what God has for you, He wants to be found by you. He don't want it to be lost. But you got to go after it. And the second story, the story of a woman who loses a coin. She, She lost something that was of great value financially. It says that her response was to search carefully for what was lost. Do you know that oftentimes there's things in our life that though we value it, we through the cares of this life and through distractions, we forget that we value it and it just gets lost. In fact, when you read the story, she says that the coin which I lost. How many of you are like me and that you have lost some resources, some things that God put you over and, and called you to steward over because you were not careful? You forgot to keep valuing it. Sort of what we talked about in maintaining for multiplication. But the amazing thing is, is as she searched carefully from that which she lost, bad stewardship, a wrong decision, that as she searched carefully for it, listen, God restored it to her. Can I tell you that we serve a God that restores the years that the locusts have eaten? That maybe the locust has got you distracted on things that God's put you over to steward, finances and resources, but we serve a God that will restore it. But you got to search carefully for it. See, when it comes to resources, you just can't run blindly into financial investments and deals. you got to carefully search for how God wants to restore what the enemy stole against you. The third story. Seekers of lost relationships. It's a story of a son that had been a prodigal and left the father and just began to live and sin and temporary pleasures. And when the son got in a posture where the father saw an opening, the father ran and The story says the father had compassion and ran and fell on his neck. What's this saying? It's saying God is a reconciling God. In relationships that have been lost, God is a reconciling God. But I need you to up front to understand and to notice that in all of these stories, there's a common theme. All of the people in the story had to seek after it. It didn't just fall in their lap. 
as they were just passively, God didn't do it. It's as they were going after it. It's as they were searching carefully. It's as they saw an opening in the relationship and they pursued it and had compassion that God then restored that which was lost. And I want to tell you that God wants to remind us today that you don't have to settle for loss, but He is a restorer of what maybe was lost in our life. But you got to allow the Holy Spirit to purpose in you to go after it, to search carefully for it, to look for an opening in a bridge to bridge that relationship. You know, oftentimes it's not that we stop valuing something. Stop valuing what was lost in our life. Often what happens is we still value it, but we have stopped thinking it can be found. Some of you are here today and you still long within you. The Spirit still groans deep within you for the career and for the assignment and to live out passions and desires and talents that God's given you. Some of you still long for a relationship to be restored with a father or a mother or a sibling or a friend or someone of your past. Some of you still long to see that the financial decisions and the unwise stewardships of your past would be restored. Some of you long for it, but listen, the reason you're not going after it. You're not searching carefully for it. You're not pursuing it. Is you believe that it cannot be found. We serve a God of the impossible. And God wants what was lost to be found. Maybe some of you, your purity has been lost. Maybe some of you, your innocence has been lost. Maybe some of you, clarity has been lost. I'm here today to tell you that God desires what was lost to be found. He's God of restoration. Don't accept the losses. When God spared my life, I began to come back and to learn of Him and think about the time that was lost and innocence that was lost and stewardship and opportunities that were lost. But that lostness drove me to see what God wanted me to find in Him. I'm alarmed today for so many people that we pastor and talk to who have lost the desire to go after that which was lost. We have an opportunity to draw near to God and He said He'll draw near to you. We got a hunger and thirst to go after what God has for us. We can't allow the culture of passivity to begin to affect our hearts and minds in the church. Jesus says, just as the Father isn't passive but pursues and seeks after, we likewise should begin to pursue and to go after. See, if you'll hunger again for what was lost, if you'll hunger again for purity, if you'll hunger again for a chance and an opportunity to be faithful this time, if you'll hunger again for an open door and a career path again that maybe you messed up, if you'll hunger again, then listen, for what was lost, you'll hunger for God again. Because the only one that can get you to experience what you truly hunger for, if it's given by God, is God Himself. But you got a hunger again for what was lost, and you'll get a hunger for God again. He alone can restore. Some of you, maybe you came in the gathering today thinking, why have I experienced such a loss? I want to submit to you it's because it is in the area of what was lost where God's mission has the greatest potential to be found. 
when it comes to what God is currently doing, when it comes to what God can do through you, that in the area of what was lost is where God's mission has the greatest potential to be found. I didn't just find a heart for discipleship without there being a loss. You don't just find a heart for divorced people often unless their first was a loss. I'm telling you that God can use what was lost so that you can find in Him the greatest opportunity to give Him praise, to see His kingdom multiplied, to tell others about a God who seeks after humanity and a God that allowed you to find what you thought had ever forever been lost. A mission of multiplication. It's in the area where something was lost that we find that the greatest impact for God's mission can move forward. You know why? Because the majority of times, if we allow the process to play out, losses reveal values. When losses come into our life, it reveals our true values. Values that sometimes we have forgot about. Values that sometimes we've been distracted from. But losses reveal values. And that's why it's in those areas of losses God can begin to cause the greatest impact for His mission of multiplication to come and to take place. He wants our careers. He wants our resources. He wants our relationships. Listen, He wants what you value to serve what He values. And today the Holy Spirit wants to remind us of some values because He wants to take those values and He wants to use those values in the area of what God values. And what's that? To reach lost people. To reach hurting and lost humanity. Listen, the goal of God in the area where you experience loss is not for it just to be found. So often we think that where there's been loss, the goal of God is just for it to be returned and found, but that's not the end go. Listen, it's a necessary step in the go. It, it blesses the heart of God for you to have restored to you what was lost. It, it pleases God. It thrills God's heart for you to have found what was lost. But that, though it's extremely valuable, that, though it's extremely important, is not the end go. The Holy Spirit made very clear to me this week something that we most often overlook, I believe, in this passage. Let me show you. In Luke 15 and verse 6, this is the this first parable and story of the shepherd and the lost sheep. It says, And when he, the shepherd, comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. That which was lost in your life, when through God in Christ it's found, the end goal is that you would call together neighbors and friends and you would give glory to God and share the good news. That we serve a God that's not just left us in our lostness, but we serve a God that will restore what the enemy has caused to be lost in our life or even what we through our own wrong choices have lost in our life. We serve a God that restores. It don't just stop there. You see it again in Luke 15 and 9 about the woman with her lost coin. It says, and when she had found it, she calls her friends and neighbors. You see, it's a theme. 
She calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found this peace which I lost. It's not only that which was lost, but it's also that which I lost. See, some people lost purity because others abused them and wronged them, but sometimes people lose purity because they lost it. But whether that which was lost or that which I lost, we serve a God that can cause what was lost to be found. He can make you holy again. He can raise you up. And that's what the Bible says is that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Holy Spirit raises up a standard. But how does he raise up a standard? He raises up a standard through you and I by empowering us to stand up and say what was lost is now found. And I want all my friends and all my neighbors to hear the good news that we don't have a God that leaves us in our lostness, but we have a God that will lead us to find what was lost. Can someone give him praise if you know what I'm talking about this morning? It continues on the third story about this prodigal son in Luke 15, 24. It says, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Let me, let me help you out in 2017. They threw a big party. Now his older son was in the field and came and drew near to the house. And guess what is in the house when you got a party? There's music and dancing. The son's angry. He won't go in. He said, I've been serving you. You never gave me a young goat that I might make merry. Watch this. With my friends. Don't notice. Don't miss it. With my friends. Notice the end goal of every one of them. The end goal is on neighbors and friends and giving glory to God of the good news that that which was lost is found. To have a party where you proclaim the praises of God's faithfulness. To have a get-together where you tell others of God's great work in the area that you had a loss. Now you see why God sometimes organizes losses in our life. But if it's in an area of sin, He doesn't organize it, but sometimes He allows loss to come in. Why? Because He says, you know what, I can take that lostness And if they'll go after what was lost, if they'll carefully pursue what was lost, if they'll run after and have compassion on the relationship uh, that was lost and the family member, then when it is found, it will lead to kingdom multiplication and it will lead to my nature and my goodness being multiplied when they tell it to their friends and neighbors. Friends and neighbors. How many have a favorite place to eat? Several. That's good. You know, it's a natural desire to eat. How many of you live where you didn't grow up? All right. So who had a favorite place where you grew up, where you got a favorite food? It might have been that barbecue place. It might have been that bakery just had the best key lime pie. It might have been a place where you got the biscuits and the gravy that was like no other place. And now you moved away. But let me ask you, when you move away from the place where you had something that was of great value to your palate, to your taste buds, what do you do as soon as you move? You start searching out 
to at least find something close to it. At least close to mama's barbecue. Or that place is key lime pie. Or that place is grits or biscuits and gravy. You search it out. What happens when you finally find a place that satisfies your palate enough? You tell everybody. You say, I finally found a place. I ain't got to drive all the way back home. I found my barbecue place. I found my dessert place. I found my biscuits and gravy or collard greens or, or fajita place. I found it. Found it. Well, let me ask you. Has anybody tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Has anybody where there was a hunger and a loss now have found that thirst and hunger quenched because what was lost has been restored in Jesus or been restored through Jesus? Then why don't we tell everybody about it? Why don't we invite them that there is one who can quench every thirst. There is one that can restore that which is lost that if you are willing, come and see that the Lord is good. And I just want to remind dwelling place today that the Lord's strategy can advance greatly when we understand it's in the area of lost people, lost careers, lost resources, and lost relationships where the greatest growth and multiplication for the kingdom of God can take place. It's in the area where there was a great loss that great gain can come out of. But you got to let the Holy Spirit get a desire back in you to go after it. And you got to see the end goal that when it's found, you call together neighbors and friends. Tell them of the goodness of God and the good news of what can be found in Jesus Christ. Our mission is to gather people to Jesus Christ and lead them to biblical maturity for the multiplication of believers, leaders, and churches. And it's in these three, these areas of lost people, lost careers, lost resources, and lost relationships that the mission can be multiplied and gained the most. We are seekers. We're on a rescue mission. And rescue missions that will lead to rejoicing parties. Did you know you're not just a seeker in Christ, but you're also a keeper in Christ? Let me speak now about being a keeper. In Sermon 1 of this series of Mission March, I preached a message titled, Maintaining for Multiplication. And in it, I read the story of Josiah. It's found in 2 Chronicles 34. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he, in his seeking... It led him to find the book of the law, the law of Moses, the old covenant pattern for his day. I want to pick the story up in 2 Chronicles 34 and 18. Because it said as he sought, his seeking found the book of the law, he begins to read it. Verse 18, then Shaphan, the scribe, told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. Shaphan read it before. The king, thus it happened when the king heard the words of the law, that he tore his clothes. Notice that. Then the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahikim, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the scribe, and Isaiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me, 
For those who are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us. Because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to, to all that is written in this book. Verse 22. So Hilkiah and those the king had appointed went to Huldah the prophetess. The wife of Shalom the son of Tokhoth. The son of Hirish and keeper of the wardrobe. Notice that. She dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter and they spoke to her to that effect. Notice that there was a keeper of the wardrobe. The wardrobe being possibly both the special garments that the old covenant commanded that the priests would wear as they did their duties. But it also probably meant the king's clothes. There was a keeper of the clothes. There was a keeper of the clothes that the priest those that were standing before God's purpose and God's people, there were certain clothes the priest had to wear and there were kingly clothes that the king were to wear. But there was one who kept the clothes and she was a prophetess. King Josiah, after reading the book of the law, he tears his clothes because he realizes him and his forefathers and his family and the nation has not been putting on display in their life what God has called for them to display. Instead, they've allowed the culture and the habits and the thinking and the attitudes and the pursuits of the other cultures in the world around them to be put on their life. But you got to understand, child of God, that you have been set apart. That you are here to represent a different king and a different land and a different wardrobe. But we need today some people that say, Holy Spirit, here am I. Empower me to be a keeper of the wardrobe. See, the king had to tear his old clothes when he got clear on God's will for him. And you and I is no different. That we also have to tear off some old clothes. We got to tear off some old habits, some old thinking, some old ways. It might even be our mother and our fathers and our grandparents' ways or the culture around us. But now that we're in the kingdom of God, we got to have a new wardrobe. We got to put on our life now the spirit of Christ we got to put on our life now the character of Christ. we got to now put on our life the culture of the kingdom of God. Because it's not just living the will of God any way we want to. we got to live in the will of God by the way of God. And the way of God is you got to keep the wardrobe. you got to keep the wardrobe. See, listen, clothes are connected to culture. You can normally tell what country you are in by the clothes the people are wearing. In fact, if I was in my second homeland today preaching, I wouldn't have this on if I was in the Philippines. I would have a barong on preaching. Because the clothes is connected to culture. And Josiah had to tear his clothes because he realized what was on his life was not representing the culture of the kingdom and the will and the way of God. But you, listen, God wants to clothe you, but He's not going to put His power and put His character on that old character. You got to first take off the old and tear the old, and then the Holy Spirit will put the new on you. Put the new. Fashion's always connected to culture. 
Likewise, there is a putting on and a putting off in the kingdom of God. And I'm not talking about natural clothes. I'm talking about putting on putting off the culture of the old way, your old life, and the life of the world around us and putting on the new way of living in Jesus Christ. And we're going to preach about it next month, that it's better. Oh, Jesus' way is much better. But there's a putting off and a putting on. There's a need for keepers of the wardrobe. We need some men and women of God to allow the Spirit of God to empower them to go before the next generation, to go before the young believers, to go before the people of the world, and to have put on their life the character of Jesus, put on their life the Spirit of Jesus, put on them the wardrobe of what it is to follow Jesus so that people can taste and see that there is another kingdom that's not visible to the natural eye. There is another way living that might not be recognized or perceived by them yet, but we put it on. Keepers of the wardrobe. It don't matter, it's 2017. There's still got to be some keepers of the wardrobe. In 2 Timothy 4.13, Paul, as he comes to the conclusion in his second letter that we have to Timothy, He makes a very interesting statement that stuck out to me. It says, The Apostle Paul tells Timothy to bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troyos when you come and the books, especially the parchments. Paul had left an actual cloak with Carpus. He says, You make sure you bring my cloak that I left with Carpus. Well, I couldn't think, couldn't help but think as I read it that Paul not only left a natural cloak with Carpus, but Paul also left a spiritual cloak with people. That, the, that what Paul put on his life, it impacted those around him. That what was on him was put on other people around him. Paul was an apostle. Apostle means sent one. Paul's manner of life caused that spiritual cloak to come on other people that they realized that they were living on a mission. They went into the same workplace as other people, but they went in with a spiritual cloak that I'm here on mission. I'm here on assignment because there are people around me that God is seeking. There are people around me with questions and Jesus is the answer. They went into their job with a cloak of I'm one sent on mission. I'm not just here in life. I'm not just going to a job like others. I'm going in there with an assignment on mission. An apostolic cloak and a prophetic cloak the Spirit of God wants to put upon us. What's a prophet? A prophet makes clear how God's Word applies right now to what is happening. God wants a prophetic cloak to be upon your life, meaning you are yielding to what God is wanting to do right now in your life, right now in this church, right now in your city. A prophetic cloak. Where the Word of God is applied to right now what you're facing. Do you understand? You can talk all day about what God did yesteryears, and you can talk and fantasize all day long about what you want God to do in future years. But a prophetic cloak coming on your life means you're aware of what God's doing in the purpose of this season. And the Holy Spirit wants to come upon you and upon this church that we have an apostolic cloak that we remember we're sent on mission, and we got a prophetic cloak that's yielding to what the Spirit of God is doing in us and through us right now. Keepers of the wardrobe. See, it's missions march, and it's important for us to recognize that just like in the natural when soldiers march, 
they can't wear whatever they want. If you want to march on the mission with God to be used to rescue lost and hurting people, listen, as letter A says on your card, you and I can only march in the right wardrobe. Listen, you can't have on the same habits and character as those you're trying to reach. We got to have on the wardrobe of the kingdom in order to reach those that are lost. No soldier can march on the mission he's sent in without the right wardrobe, and likewise you and I. This is where American Christianity can get you off from biblical Christianity. Because American Christianity says you put on your life whatever you want. What works for you, works for you. It's just you and Jesus, and you just live and do whatever. Listen, you can by yourself put on whatever you want to put on in your life, but you can't be a part of the march. You can't be a part of God's heart and march of compassion and be clothed in His power and pursue what He desires, that which is lost, in your own clothes. There is a wardrobe for the soldiers of Jesus Christ. Putting on compassion, putting on purity, putting on truth, putting on the character and the meekness and the humility and the boldness of Jesus. There is a wardrobe, a right wardrobe if you're going to march. See, this is a culture, being a culture keeper. Putting on the apostolic and the prophetic cloak allows you to keep the culture of the kingdom. Notice he said, bring my cloak and bring my parchments. Did you know that the word of God is still prophetic to what is happening now and happening in your life? You put that prophetic cloak on, you can show people in the parchments of God's word that what they're going through, God speaks right to He's God. He knows all the needs of humanity and all the needs of us. And He's got scriptures when rightly applied that will penetrate right into the hearts of people that He loves. How many of you men, because I don't want to just pick on the women, but how many of you went out and, and bought a new wardrobe, bought new clothes? You put it on and went out, and people's like, that fits you. That looks good on you. How many, when you've put on a new wardrobe or new clothes, people say, where'd you get that? What about in regards to Christ? That what we're putting on our life actually fits us because we're people sent on a mission with a prophetic application of God's Word right into the lives of us and people around us. Is what we're living actually fit us as children of God? Listen, what we put on, when we put on the character of Christ and the kingdom of God, it will cause others to say, where'd you get that? And we can tell them, you know what? At the cross, by the grace of God, because of the love of God. Where'd you get the ability to forgive those that wronged you? Where'd you get the ability to still stand in prayer on those who's been in that habit for decades? Oh, I got it at the cross, by the grace of God, because of the love of God. And it's available for you as well. We're keepers. We're seekers. We're keepers of the wardrobe. But listen, the Holy Spirit wants to empower us to also be, secondly, keepers of the burden. To be gatekeepers. 
In 2 Chronicles 34 and 13, in that passage where it talks about the keeper of the wardrobe, it says that there were burden keepers, keepers of the burden. You read in the New Testament in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, Paul says that there were given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. There's only one ministry. It's the ministry of Jesus Christ. But listen, there are different burdens within the one overall ministry. Jesus' heart is so big that there's none of us that can carry all of it. Listen, I'm limited in space and time. I can't reach every single mother, every single father, every orphan, drill new uh, water wells overseas, reach this city. I can't do it all. And you can't either. But listen, He gave you a burden. He gave you a burden of His heart for divorced families, for single mothers, for orphans, for college students. For businessmen to use their stewardship for the glory of God. We need keepers of the burden. We don't need you to do everything. We don't need you to try to be everything. We need you to let the Holy Spirit empower you to keep the burden He's given you. The thing you're passionate about. That's being a gatekeeper of where you have a burden. You know why that's important? Because as letter B says, you can only march with the right spacing. This is missions march. We're, we're following a missional God, a God that's on a mission to rescue lost people. And if we're going to march, we all can't march if we're all huddled up next to each other. There's got to be spacing to march. If we're all in the sound booth, we can't march. If we're all on stage, we can't march. If we're all ministering to single mothers, we can't march. If we're all in the children's ministry, we can't march. We need people in all of those areas, but we don't need everyone in those areas. We need to keep our burden. Because when you keep your burden, there's the right spacing for God's mission to move forward. The right spacing. You know, I found something out about spacing. It's very important. In Mark 2... The Bible says there was a man who couldn't walk. You understand all around us, there's men and women who can't walk. They don't know how to walk in life. They don't know how to live in life. They're frustrated. They're broken. They're depleted. And it says that four friends put them on a mat. You know what that means? There was four points. And each of the friends had a point of the mat. And it took the four friends holding the four points to get their friend to the full stature of Jesus. Now, I can imagine that the man who couldn't walk had heard about Jesus. I can imagine the man who couldn't walk had read about Jesus. But notice it took the four friends carrying the burden of the four points to get their friend to the full stature of Jesus Christ and to be made whole. Can I tell you it's the same in the kingdom of God? That you're at one point today on the map. It's called a gathering. But there's also the point called growing. And there's also the point called grouping. And there's also the point called giving. And it takes the four points to get people to the full stature of Jesus for them to experience all that has been lost in their life being found. You say, why do we do this community like we do it? Because it takes four points. It takes gathering and growing and grouping and giving to get people to the full stature, the full maturity that God has for them in Christ. And you know what? These four gateways, gathering, growing, grouping, and giving, they serve our march. They serve what we put on. And they also serve our spacing as we march on mission. 
And it's this spacing that keeps the missional culture. It's this spacing that keeps the soil, soil ripe and ready to meet the needs of people. My wife and I, my family, by the grace and mercy of God, and recently in our new home, we have fruit trees and fruit bushes. This is our first spring in our home that has fruit trees and fruit bushes. And it's a learning process for me. My wife wants no part of it, and that's fine. Because I want no part of what happens in the house. But uh, no. <laughs> I say, you inside, I outside. But no. So I've been learning because it's the time to fertilize. So that there's a greater harvest. A greater multiplication. And what I begin to find out is you can't put the fertilizer on the roots of the trees or the bushes. If you put the fertilizer on the root or on the actual tree, you'll burn it out. You have to get down and you have to create around the tree and around the roots the fertilizer so that it makes a soil that is rich and moist and has nutrients so that when the tree is hungry and when the tree is seeking a drink, it's already there for it to drink of it. Say, so what does this have to do with Jesus? Oh, a lot. Listen, we cannot put on people and make them change. We can't make people gather. We can't make people grow. We can't make people group and make people give. If we try to make them, we'll burn them. You ever met a burnout believer? That's why. But what we're called as keepers of the wardrobe and keepers of the burden is to make sure that the soil of what God's doing at Dwelling Place is filled with water and fertilizer and moist so that when someone's here and they say, you know, I'm a little more hungry, I want to seek a little more that's been lost, that they have the ability to grow. When someone then says, you know what, I, I need some relational components restored in my life and I want to grow in relationship, that they then know when they're ready to group, we have groups available. Culture keepers, burden keepers to keep the soul and the context and this climate ready for when people are ready to grow. I want to tell some of you that are new here that we understand it takes all four if you want to reach the full stature and maturity in Christ. But listen, we're not going to make you, but we commit to you that when you're ready to move forward, when you're ready to hunger and thirst and experience more of what's been lost in your life, we're going to have the soul conducive and ready for you to grow, to group, to give, and to gather. Can I hear an amen? fact, in Luke 8, in the parable of the sower, Jesus, when he speaks of two of the contexts that doesn't lead to multiplication and a harvest, he says, some fell on rock, and, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. No moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. You know what happens when it, it choked it? That means there was no space. Moisture and space are necessary to grow. We're going to keep this context fertilized with moisture and space. That you can grow at the pace you're willing to let God work in you to will and to do. To will and to do. So they're keepers of the wardrobe. There's keepers of the gateways. And lastly, keepers of good works. 1 Timothy 5 and verse 9. 
Paul writing Timothy, he says, Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported for good works, if she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. The first sermon we talked about maintaining, for multiplication, maintaining good works, but so often people say, what is good works? Paul here talks about as the church was burdened, the actual leadership of a church to financially and physically take care of a widow. That a widow who would have all her needs paid for by the church, this was the list of what their life was to have on, the wardrobe they were to keep, the burden they were to keep. And he lists four areas. He says, brought up children in the ways of the Lord, of course, lodged strangers, washed the saints' feet, and relieved the afflicted. He calls them good works. Now what's interesting is though we're not all widows here today, these good works speak to you and I of how we're to be a keeper of good works. Notice the theme and the similar thread on the four types of people he mentioned. Listen. They impact children, strangers, saints, and the afflicted. What is the similar theme of those people? Listen, they're all people you find lost. Let me walk you through real quick. A child. child comes out the womb. Thinks they're a star because all the light's shining on them. No, but, but a child grows up in this big world. Big environment. So many choices. A child on their own cannot figure it out and they feel lost. That's why God gave them in His design a father and a mother. Each having parts of the nature of God to help direct the child and God's plan for them. Children in a big world need direction. That's why he said train them, admonish them in the ways of the Lord. But not only do children feel lost in this big world and need direction, strangers, you know why they're called strangers? Because they're in a new place. And how many of you understand that when we're in a new place and experiencing new things, we feel lost? That's why he says lodge strangers. Then he says, wash the saints' feet. He doesn't just say saints, but saints' feet. Why? As saints are living on mission and they're going about the journey, following the heart of God to restore that which is lost, wash their feet. What does feet have to do with? Where you walk, your direction, where you're heading, your purpose, guidance. It says, wash the feet of the saints. Help guide them. Help serve them to live in mission. Live with the cloak apostolic and prophetic cloak upon them. Then he mentions the afflicted. If you've ever been around afflicted people going through great afflictions and trials, you'll know that what I'm saying is true, is that when you get around them, here's what they'll always be saying. Why is all of this happening to me? You know what we call that? Feelings of lostness and confusion. Notice Paul says our good works are to be connected to lostness. To children, strangers, the saints' feet, and the afflicted. And this leads to the last point, letter C. You can only march for God. Good works are popular in the culture and the global economy we live in. People want to do good works to overcome, in reality, the nagging in their heart and mind. 
of our, all of our hypocrisy and all of the sin that we all have. And they think by being a part of something that seems to change the globe that it covers up the issues and the things within them. Social justice is such a priority and a hot button in this global economy. But listen to me. You can only march for God. Because social justice without God is just too human. And it's our humanity that has created such lostness in the first place. And good works and social justice without God is just too human. And it actually leads to more lostness. Listen to me. Good works without God is just that. It's without God. And it's only God through Jesus Christ, the God of the possible, that can restore what was lost in all of our lives that can be found in Jesus. I want to tell you that in your good works, in your social justice, in the keeping of your burdens, realize you're marching for God and you have to march in the right wardrobe, with the right character, with the right spirit, with the right attitude, with the right manner of life. And you also have to guard and keep the burden that God's given you. And you can't judge and and despise those that's not marching in what you have a burden for because I guarantee you if they're following their Lord Jesus Christ, they're marching in something else that you don't have a burden for. And I can't be in every March, but God's given me a march and you can't be in every march but God's given you a march for Jesus Christ so that his glory and his compassion and his goodness can be multiplied can I hear an amen, amen. hallelujah we're seekers and we're keepers and you should see how all this connects with the lost missions march connects us to the lost again because God's on a rescue mission Likewise, we also are on a rescue mission for lost people, lost careers, lost resources, lost relationships that can lead to God being glorified more as you call friends and neighbors together and tell them what was lost has now been found in Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed as the band comes. You're here today. You say, Chad, there's some things that have been lost in my life. I don't have to say it for it to be true, but God knows it. And he said, I feel the Holy Spirit stirring in me a desire to go after it again. To not settle for losses again. To not settle. Victory doesn't have to be lost. Sexual sins don't have to be consistent in my life. A lack of purpose, a lack of a career, a lack of assignment don't have to be accepted in my life. A lack of loss where the enemies come to steal resources and opportunities doesn't have to be accepted in my life. And I just want to acknowledge to you, Chad, and before the Lord that I'm open to the Holy Spirit empowering me to go after again, to search carefully again, to have compassion again to that which was lost. If that's you, just raise your hand up and write back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you here in a moment. God bless you. Yes. Several of you. God bless you. Maybe you're here today. And you're experiencing the greatest lostness of all, which is a a lostness in your relationship with your Creator. That because of sin and because of doing life your own way, you lost the ability to relate to your Creator. 
Well, I'm here in the presence of some friends and neighbors to tell you the good news is that God has been searching you out, seeking you out. He brought you here to shine the spotlight on Jesus that He alone is the way, the truth, and the light and that He has authority to change your heart. He has authority to forgive you. He has authority to give you a new relationship to your Creator. He has authority to give you peace with your Creator. He has authority to make you new on the inside. If you'll turn and make Jesus the Lord and leader of your life, He's given assurance by raising Him from the dead. If you need to turn from your way of doing things and begin to make Jesus Lord and leader of your life, if you'll raise your hand up so I can see and acknowledge it, you need to make Jesus Lord and leader of your life. Is there anyone? All right. I want to pray for those that are here that raised their hand and said, the Holy Spirit's stirring in me to go after that which was lost. Father, I thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, that the Holy Spirit is working to will and to do according to your good pleasure within people in areas of lost resources and opportunities and careers and relationships, Lord, in lost purity, Lord, in lost habits and character. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you, on the authority of the finished work of Jesus, would begin to write upon hearts and minds your will and your way in Jesus' mighty name. That great grace would come upon them. God, you would surround people with songs of deliverance. That what the enemy meant for evil, God, you would begin to turn around for your good. That they would begin to foresee and begin to expect that there is some celebration parties. That there are some get-together parties where they can declare the faithfulness of that which was lost is now found in Jesus. That they will be partakers of your promises in Jesus Christ. That through grace they would be stirred up again. That weak knees would be strengthened again that feeble hands and knees would be strengthened again by your grace and by your power, oh God, that they would believe again that that which seems to be lost can be found, that you are the God of the impossible. Show your greatness, show your power to them in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. And saints of God said, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Again, thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at www.dwellingplacemovement.org.